You can go to 1 Kings chapter 17 if we could. 1 Kings 17. It's always, it's always a privilege. Is this, um, oh, here we go. It's always to preach on missions. Missions is where God is at. Um, you move away from missions, you move away from God. It's that serious. It's a great privilege to preach about missions. Um, missions are very dear to my heart. And I believe they're dear to your heart. That's how we got saved. Um, for me, it was New York City. For you, it was somewhere else. It might have been a, a, um, a, uh, a Texan that we all know well came and knocked on your door. But someone was a missionary that reached out to you. It's because of missions that the gospel is spread. It is a wonderful, how wonderful God does it. Let's talk about God's provision for missions today. Looking at 1 Kings chapter 17. Now this is an unusual passage, but there's a lot in here that is so good. If you read along with me, if you could. 1 Kings 17. And Elijah the Tishbite, who was in the inhabitants of Gilead, said unto Ahab, As the Lord God of Israel liveth, before whom I stand, there shall not be do nor rain these years, but according to my words. Sorry, Barry, am I on? I'm on. Perfect. And the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, Get thee hence, and turn thee eastward, and hide thyself by the brook Cherith, that is before Jordan. And it shall be that thou shalt drink of the brook, and I have commanded the ravens to feed thee there. So he went and did according unto the word of the Lord, for he went and dwelt in the brook Cherith, that is before Jordan. And the ravens brought him bread and flesh in the morning and bread and flesh in the evening. And he drank of the brook. And it came to pass after a while that the brook dried up because there had been no rain in the land. And the word of the Lord came unto him saying, Arise, get thee to Zarephath, which belongeth to Zidon, and dwell there. Behold, I commanded a widow woman there to sustain thee. So he arose and went to Zarephath and when he came to the gate of the city, behold, a widow woman was there, gathering up sticks, and he called to her and said, Fetch me, I pray thee, a little water in a vessel that I may drink. And as she was going to fetch it, he called to her and said, Bring me, I pray thee, a morsel of bread in thine hands. And she said, As the Lord thy God liveth, I have not a cake but a handful of meal in a barrel and a little oil in a cruise. And behold, I am gathering two sticks that I may go in and dress it for me and my son that we may die, we may eat it and die. And Elijah said unto her, Fear not, go and do as thou hast said, but make me therefore a little cake first and bring it unto me and after make it for thee and for thy son. And thus said the Lord, God of Israel, the barrel of meal shall not waste. Neither shall the cruise of oil fail until the day the Lord send rain upon the earth. And she went and did according to the saying of Elijah, and she and he and her house did eat many days. And the barrel of meal wasted not, neither the cruise of oil fail, according to the word of the Lord, which he spake by Elijah. And that's that Lord, Lord help us. Father God, we need you. Preaching and 
Lord, it's all vain unless you show up. So would you help us this day? I thank you for this faithful church. I thank you for Bible Baptist churches, and in particular this one. And I thank you for the fact that we still believe in missions. And God, would you impress upon us the importance of missions this night? I pray, Lord, that you'd help me, uh, Lord, to say what you put in my mind and heart. And Lord, I'm not able, but you are able. Would you help me this day, I pray. I pray, Lord, for the listening ear. I pray you'd help us this day. And we thank you. Please give me liberty. I ask this in Jesus' lovely name. Amen. As we talk about missions, we want to talk about God's provision for missions. Now, this is an unusual passage of Scripture, but I hope I can bring it, bring it to life here because it is a great privilege to, to, ask, to, to preach about missions. Missions are the very dear to my heart and should be dear to yours. Missions how the church fulfills the Great Commission. The Great Commission is going to all the world and preach the gospel, uh, teaching them and, and baptizing them in the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. It's in Matthew 28, 19, and 20. But missions is God's way of spreading the gospel through this world. And it's powerful, powerful, powerful when it's followed. Missions is God's program for spreading the gospel. Missions is where the rubber meets the road in our face. Do you believe that? Mission, it's mission. It's all about an outward focus. If you have an inward focus, you will die. But if you have an outward focus, you see a lost and dying world. I want you to see from the Old Testament that God's way of provision has always been the same. It's always been the same. Uh, we're looking at how Elijah has his needs met, yet this is consistent throughout the Word of God. When you look here, you know, you have a perfect Bible. And when you look how God provides his way of provision, it's perfect right throughout the Bible. God's ways are always perfect. There's always enough. There, all there is is a, a barrel of meal and a cruise of oil, but there's always enough at the end of the day. It's sufficient for all involved. Amen? It's sufficient. You may see, you may not see it right now, but I'm hoping you will see it at the end of the message that this is God's system, God's way of providing for missions. This is during the wicked reign of Ahab. In verse 1, the Bible says, And Elijah the Tishbite, who was in the of Gilead, said unto Ahab, As the Lord God of Israel liveth, before whom I stand, there shall not be dew nor rain these years, but according to my words. Elijah calls, he speaks, and there is no rain. There's no rain for a period of three and a half years. And God, God is using Elijah to humble Ahab and uh, Israel and itself. Elijah Tishbite is God's faithful witness during this dark hour. Elijah causes a famine in the land. And we see what kind of character this guy Ahab is. It says over there in 1 Kings chapter 16 and verse 32. 1 Kings 16 and verse 32. And this is talking about Ahab. And he reared up an altar for Baal. Now this is the king of Israel. In the house of Baal, which he had built in Samaria. And Ahab made a grove. And Ahab did more to provoke the Lord God of Israel to anger than all the kings of Israel that were before him. That's the type of character, type of person Ahab was. And then he had a wicked wife named Jezebel as well, which multiplied it. But Elijah was God's faithful witness. 
Elijah's a man of faith in verse 1. He does it according to God's words. Uh, Elijah's obedient. The Bible says in verse 2, And the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, Get thee hence, and turn thee eastward, and hide this up by the brook Cherith that is before Jordan. And it shall be... And then Elijah follows exactly what the Lord does. So he's obedient. Elijah follows the direction the Lord lays down for him. And then there's the widow woman and her son. The Bible says in verse 8, And the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, So the brook dries up, and then comes God's command to go to Zarephath. And there a widow woman will take care of you. Verse 9 says, Arise, get thee to Zarephath, which belongeth to uh, Zidon, and dwell there. Behold, I commanded thee a widow woman there to sustain thee. Now, she has needs of her own. The Bible says in verse 10 that she is at the very, very end of her own. Uh, she, she's barely got enough for herself. The Bible says in verse 10, it says, And she arose and went to Zarephath, and when they came to the gate of the city, behold, the widow woman was there, uh, gathering sticks, and he called her and said, Fetch me, I pray, the little water in thy vessel, that I may drink. And verse 11 says, And she was going to fetch it, he called her and said, Bring me, I pray thee, a morsel of bread in thine hands. And this is what she says in verse 12. And she said, As the Lord thy God liveth, I have not cake but a handful of meal in a barrel, a little cruise of oil, and behold, I'm gathering two sticks that I may go in and dress it for me and my son that we may eat it and die. She's at the very end. She's, she sees no hope. She just sees this final meal and then death itself. She's a great woman of faith. Amen. Uh, she has a precious son that means the world to her. And then Elijah comes. She, she's down to her last bit of provision. She and her son are staring death in the face. And then I want you to see this. I want you to see, let me show you four things about God's provision tonight. Four things about God's provision. The first thing I want you to see is unusual. God's provision is unusual. And that is something you will see right throughout Scripture. The brook in verse 3. The brook was just a little brook that Elijah was there and he was to stay there and that was to give him his, uh, his, his substance. And then there was the ravens. He was being fed by ravens. Now ravens are birds. They're not, they're not very nice looking birds. But a raven would come with his beak full, come to Elijah and would feed him. I mean, think about God's provision for a second. Uh, the brook the ravens, and then the widow woman. Now, the widow woman, she didn't have much either, but that was God's provision. Amen? God does the unusual in Elijah's life, just like he always does. Amen? God's ways are not our ways. Let me show you Isaiah. Isaiah 55. Isaiah 55. You know, we're... Uh, we're... we're God's ways are never our ways. I, that's why the Bible says you must be born again. Because you cannot understand the things that God does unless you're born again. Unless you have that new nature. Amen. Isaiah 55, the Bible says in verse 7, Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts and let him return unto the Lord and he will have mercy upon him and to our God and he will abundantly pardon. 
For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, said the Lord. For as the heaven is higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. God's ways are different than this world. This world does one way, God does it the other way. God's people will always be peculiar in, in how we do things. First Peter chapter 2, verse 9 says we're a peculiar people, a chosen generation, a royal priesthood. It says over in Leviticus, let me show you Leviticus chapter 20. Leviticus chapter 20. And the Bible says in verse 26, it says this, And ye shall be holy unto me, for I the Lord am holy, and have severed you, cut you off from other people, that ye should be mine. We're bought with a price, amen. We're a peculiar people. And you know what? We are unusual. Just like God's way of provision is unusual. God does everything opposite to this world does. Let me just give you an example. He that findeth his life shall lose it. And he that loses his life shall find it. Mark 10.39 He that is first shall be last, and he that is last shall be first. You know, when my kids are, um, are uh, going for the, 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 uh, the ice cream and something like that, I always say to them, listen, I hope you realize he, when, when you think you're first, you're last, and when you think you're last, you'll be first. Put yourself last. Uh, he that exalts himself shall be, shall be humbled, and he that humble himself shall be exalted. Luke 14, 11. If you want to get, if you want to get, you have to give. Isn't that where the Bible is? If you want to be great, you must become like a little child. Matthew 18 talks about that. If you want to be master of all, then you must be servant of all. Mark 10, 44. You know, Jesus, uh, Jesus demonstrated that he was master, but he also he also demonstrated that he was servant of all. He got down and he washed the disciples' feet. He washed the feet of Judas Iscariot. Amen? How low can you go? He uh, demonstrated that he was master, but he was servant of all. Amen? If you, want, if you want to be great in the kingdom of God, you must be willing to become least in your own eyes. And listen, if you want to understand missions, you've got to understand it from God's word alone. God's word alone. That's why missions is so incredible. God does think everything opposite. It is humbling. It is unusual and it is humbling. God has a much bigger plan for Elijah than even, even Elijah realizes. It is humbling. God wants to mold Elijah for the journey ahead. God wants to bring Elijah to trust God come what may. Listen, if God, God takes you into a place and if you can say at the end of it, I trust you, God, come what may, then you have, you've come to a place where you're totally dependent on the Lord. Amen? You're totally dependent on the Lord. And that's where Elijah had to get. Elijah had to get to the place, where, you know, when you're fed by, by, by the brook, when ravens come and feed you, you know, and then God sustains you through it all, I think you learn to trust God pretty quick. Amen? when you're in that kind of situation, when you're in a situation where you trust God. Let me give you a statement. Preparation for the hilltop experience among Mount Carmel begins by the brook with the ravens. You see that? 
preparation by the, for the hilltop experience of Mount Carmel begins by the brook with the ravens. We all want to see the fire of God fall and consume sacrifice. Let me show you 1 Kings. 1 Kings. There's not one of us that wants to see God's fire fall. Amen? We want to see revival, don't we? We want to see Ireland shook up. We want to see the gospel go forth with power. We want it. We really do. And that's why you're here on a Sunday night. Because you want more than just this complacent Christianity. You want something real. But in First John, in First Kings chapter 18, we see that Elijah challenges the 850 prophets of Baal, and he says to them, "Okay, we're going to have a we're going to have a, 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 a competition. You're going to take your sacrifice, your 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 book, and you're going to you're going to sacrifice him. And if the God that is God will consume the sacrifice. So from noon, from morning all the way to noon, the 850 prophets of Baal call on their call on Baal, on their false god, to consume the sacrifice, and nothing happens. They begin to cut themselves, they begin to do all kinds of things, trying to get Baal to answer, but nothing happens, because Baal is an idol, Baal is a false god. And then Elijah, Elijah says over there in 1 Kings chapter 18, and it says, I like this expression in verse 30, it just says, come near unto me, draw near unto me, and Elijah prepares the sacrifice. He takes an altar. He takes 12 stones for the 12 tribes of Israel. And he puts the wood and he puts the bullock on the sacrifice. And then he says, he says, all right, take four barrels of water and pour the water on it. And he says, do it a second time. Take four more barrels and pour more water on it. And he says, do it a third time. They take another four barrels and they put more water on it. And the sacrifice is saturated in water. Even the trench itself, there's water flowing over it. And then Elijah, in verse 26, says these words. And it came to pass, at the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice, that Elijah the prophet came near and said, Lord God of Abraham, Isaac and of Israel, let it be known this day that thou art God in Israel and that I am thy servant and that I have done all these things at thy words. Hear me, O Lord. Hear me that this people may know that thou art the Lord God and that thou hast turned their heart, their heart back to God. And then verse 38 says, then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt sacrifice. Amen. Just like that. Wouldn't you love to see it? Like a like a, a lightning from, from heaven, just consuming the sacrifice, consuming the water, licking up the water. All that happened because Elijah was sustained by the ravens, by the brook, and by the widow woman. It all happened. It was preparation for the hilltop experience among Carmel begins by the brook with the ravens. But listen, we all want to see the 850 prophets of Baal defeat us, but very few of us rejoice in the way the Lord prepares his servant for such an occasion as that. Very few of us understand it. So when you understand missions, God's provision is there, but it's more than just provision. It's there to humble his servant. 
God must humble Elijah. That's what you see in 1 Kings chapter 17, where Elijah has a daily dependence on God, where Elijah learns to trust God in any situation, even when the brook dries up. Amen? When that brook begins to dry up and Elijah knows that he's caused the famine in the land and he knows he could stop it. He could speak the word and the famine would be over. But yet he doesn't because he obeys the Lord. He obeys the Lord because he knows that God is always right. And when that brook dries up, Elijah knows that God has some other way of provision where Elijah depends God and God alone. Elijah puts obedience to the Lord as his highest priority. I wonder this week, do you consider obedience as the highest priority that God puts in your life? Will you obey God regardless of what happens? When the rug is pulled from out underneath you, when you feel yourself just collapsing, do you obey God in those situations? Elijah has his faith, has, has, has the faith to go to Zarephath and ask a widow woman for his, for his needs. And Zarephath, the brook uh, church was there. Zarephath was up by the coast. He had to go probably a day's journey. He had to go and he had to go to Zarephath. He does it because he, the Lord commanded him. And he's sensitive to the still small voice. Elijah believes God for his own provision and the widow and her son each passing day. Think about this. First Kings 17 again. If you could imagine, Elijah's there by the brook and morning and noon, or morning and evening, those ravens come. Those ravens come. And Elijah sees those ravens with their beaks. Uh, and he sees the food. And it sustains him. But morning and evening, he has to faithfully wait for, those, for, for, that, food, for that food. It is sufficient. The Bible says in verse 9, talking to Elijah, Arise, get thee to Zarephath, which belongeth to Zidonian, and dwell there, behold, I command thee a widow woman, a widow woman there to sustain thee. It is sufficient. In verse 14, it talks about the barrel of meal will not dry up, the cruise of oil will not fail until the Lord send rain upon the earth. His provision is based on his words. You understand that? His provision is based on his words. Uh, Elijah was just a man. Elijah was just flesh. But when God makes a promise, he will keep a promise. Amen? Because his provision is based on his words. He cannot lie. Amen? You have a God tonight that cannot lie. A little verse in Titus 1, chapter 2 says, he is incapable of lying. He cannot lie. He will never lie. Every word, every promise of that book is real. Amen? And we need to understand that. His word is above his name. He put uh, the importance of of, of the truth of his word above his name. It talks about that as well. His word is above his name. And his promises are real. His promises are real. It says about Hudson Taylor, during the especially trying time in the, in the work of China, Indian missions, Hudson Taylor wrote to his wife, we have 25 cents and all the promises of God. Think about that. Think about just Hudson Taylor and just realizing, you know, okay, I don't have much money, but I have all the promises of God right before me here. All the promises of God. That will keep you encouraged. Amen? His provision does not rely on man's promises. Do you believe that? If we look at 1 Kings 17, the brook was of God. The brook was God's supply. It wasn't man. 
The ravens were obedient to their creator. God just moved them in a certain direction. Talks about over there in Romans chapter 8. It says, all creation groaneth and all creation obeys him. The widow woman had little to offer. If you understand about a widow in the Bible, they were sustained by God himself. So, God's provision does not rely on man's promises. That encourages me. <laughs> that encourages me. Because, you know, uh, even people like George Mueller, you know, George Mueller would pray and his provision was right there. You know, uh, that, that's biblical provision. His provision is there for the call of man. Because he is faithful. Listen, he is faithful. I'm glad for that verse. God gave me a little verse years and years ago, 1 Thessalonians 5.24. Faithful is he who calleth you, who also will do it. I'm glad for that. If that verse was in the Bible, I don't know what I would do. Because that verse is important to me. Faithful is he who calleth you, who also will do. Because sometimes I'm not faithful. And sometimes Elijah wasn't faithful. Because man is but flesh. Let me show you 1 Kings chapter 19. 1 Kings chapter 19. In 1 Kings chapter 19, Mount Carmel experiences happens. Elijah's been on the hilltop. He's seen the 850 prophets of Baal defeated. And then Jezebel says, in, in verse 19, verse 1, And Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done, and whittle how he had slain all the prophets with the sword. Then Jezebel sent a messenger unto Elijah, saying, so let the gods do to me, and more also if I make not thy life as thy life of one of them by tomorrow about this time. And when he saw that, he arose and went on his way and came to Bathsheba, which belonged to Judah, and left his servant there. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness. Elijah flees at that moment because the imagination of his mind takes over. Jezebel wants him dead. And he flees. He ends up in a cave. And I like the gentleness of the Lord. The Bible says over there in 1 Kings 19 and verse 9, the last part of it says this. It says, What doest thou here, Elijah? Elijah is defeated. But God is still faithful. Amen. Elijah runs in peace. He, he wants to die. He feels defeated. But God's faithfulness follows him into that cave. Because God's in that cave with him. Amen? God's in that cave. Isn't God a wonderful God? And it says that Elijah complains. But it says that God's provision was still there for Elijah. The Bible says over there in 1 Kings 19 and verse 4, but he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness. And it came to pass, as he sat down under the Jupiter tree, and he requested for himself that he might die, and said, It is enough. Now, O Lord, take away my life, for I am not better than my fathers. I've often said that to myself. Verse 5 says this, And as he lay and slept under the Jupiter tree, behold, then the angel touched him and said unto him, Arise and eat. God's provision was right there. And he looked, and behold, there was a cake, bacon, and a coals, a cruise of water at his hands. And he did eat and drink and laid him down again. 
God's provision was right there. Even when Elijah was running from God, God's provision was right there. Isn't God good? I think God is far better than we ever realize. Because He is faithful. Because man is but flesh. We will fail Him. But God will never fail us one time. God is faithful. God knows. He knows my frame. He knows I'm only flesh. And listen, I try not to fail Him. But I know at times, you have to realize at times you feel low. You feel like everyone has left you. You feel a little bit defeated. You feel, you tell people the truth and they walk away. It's just the way it is. That's just, that, that's the ministry. But God is faithful. God is faithful. His provision is sufficient for all involved with Elijah. This is the beautiful part of the message. He, it is sufficient. It is, it is unusual. It is humbling, it is sufficient, and it is consistent. Imagine if you would this picture in the New Testament. Imagine if you would this picture. I hope you get this because I believe it is there. Elijah is the man of God, just like the missionary is supposed to be. Elijah is the man of God. The widow woman is just like the church. The widow woman is just like the church in, in a sense. Let me explain why. Just like Elijah is sustained by the widow woman, so the missionary is sustained by the church. You see that? You see, the widow woman was facing death. Her son, the widow woman and her son were going to die. God says to Elijah, go and she'll take care of you. She had nothing. And a lot of times the church has nothing. And God says, you need to look after your missionary. The widow woman is just like a church in many ways. God is the one that sustains her. Let me show you a little bit about widow women's or widows. In Proverbs 15, Proverbs 15, the Bible says in Proverbs 15 and verse 25, the Lord will destroy the house of the proud but he will establish the border of the widow. The Bible talks a lot about the widow and the fatherless. It talks about, as well, that God will protect her, just like his church. Exodus 22. You know, if you want, if, if you don't want to get in trouble, if you want to get in trouble with God, go attack the widow. God has her defense. Exodus 22 and verse 22, the Bible says, He shall not afflict any widow or fatherless child. God protects them. God protects the most vulnerable in society. God will protect them. The Bible also says, God is the one that provides for her. In Deuteronomy chapter 24, Deuteronomy chapter 24, Deuteronomy 24, in verse 20, the Bible says this, When thou beatest thine olive tree, thou shalt not go over the brow again. It shall be for the stranger and for the fatherless and for the widow. God protects her. God provides for her. God is the one. And God was providing for this widow in Zarephath. I believe this. I believe that woman was crying out. As a widow, she was facing death. And she was crying out. And you know what God sends? God sends Elijah. Elijah says, 
give me, give me something to drink. And then he says, well, give me a, a, a bit of meal as well. And she goes, but I have nothing. All I have is a, a little cruise of oil and a barrel of meal in a little, a little meal in, in the barrel. That's all I have. <laughs> and because of her faithfulness, God provides for her. God is the one that instructs Elijah to go to the widow woman when the brook dries up. Listen, yet the widow woman and her son are getting ready to die before Elijah shows up. By putting Elijah's needs before her, she and her son are sustained. That's why I believe this. This is why I believe this. Listen carefully. A church that never is concerned about missions will die. Do you believe that? I believe it to be true. You know, I wonder, from this story, does Elijah need the widow woman or does the widow woman need Elijah? Think about that for a second. Elijah doesn't need the widow woman. The widow woman needs Elijah. And, and play it this way, right? Does the missionary need the church or does the church need the missionary? I believe it's this. I believe that they both need each other, but it's the church that needs the missionary, not the other way around. I believe that to be true. I believe that to be biblical Christianity. Remember, God does everything opposite in the way this world does. A church that never is concerned about missions will die. And also, this to be true, God's work done God's way will never lack God's supply because God doesn't need man to fulfill his promises. We're privileged as a church to support missionaries. Amen? We're privileged. But a church that puts missions first will be sustained. Let me show you 1 Kings 17. I love every word of God's words, but certain words just speak volumes. 1 Kings 17. The Bible says in chapter 17 and verse 13, the Bible says this, And Elijah said unto her, Fear not, go and do as thou hast said, but make thereof a little cake. What's the next word? First. And bring it unto me. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. God's way of missions is, is even though the church doesn't have much, God is able to sustain everybody involved. That is consistent with the word of God. Let me show you 2 Corinthians. You know, the early church had very little. In fact, most people that are missionaries will realize that it's the poor churches that are the ones that support you. <laughs> I go to some, uh, I've gone to some other churches, man, and there seem to be uh, like a lot of people and stuff like that, but they won't support you because they're too comfortable. But in Second Corinthians chapter 8, the type of New Testament church was like this says over there in uh, about the, the Macedonian churches, moreover, verse 1 of chapter 8, moreover, brethren, we do you the wish of the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia, how that in a great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy in deep poverty abounded under the riches of their liberality. For to their power a bare record, yea, and beyond their power, they were willing of themselves, praying us with much entreaty that we would receive the gift and take upon us the fellowship of the ministering of the saints. 
And this they did, not as we hoped, but first gave their own selves to the Lord and unto us by the will of God. They gave them themselves. They didn't have much, but they gave them themselves. That's all God ever wants. Amen? All God ever wants is just present yourself as a living sacrifice and ask God what you need to do. The early church had little, but they gave them themselves. And in turn, God was able to sustain us as a church because of our obedience to the Great Commission. Let me show you Philippians chapter 4. You will see that this is consistent throughout the Word of God. Philippians chapter 4. And in verse, we all like to quote verse 19. But my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. But the context of it is found in verse 16 onwards. It says in 16, And even in Thessalonica, he sent once again unto my necessity, not because I desired a gift, but desired fruit that may abound to your account. This is a giving church. This was a church that was giving, and because they were giving, the Bible says that God said, I will display all your needs according to your riches and glory, because you gave. See, in order, in order to get, you got to give. It's God's system of doing things. Everything is opposite to this world. Let me give you a conclusion. God's word is consistent with all the New, in the New Testament. God's provision for Elijah. Listen, it, it is unusual. When you're fed by ravens, when you're fed by a brook, and God brings you and there's a widow woman and she has nothing. She's just ready to die. And God says, and Elijah says, just give me, give me some water. And she does that. She obeys the Lord. Little did she know that all of what was going to happen, all that, that little barrel of meal and that little cruise of oil was going to be sustained all, every day. They would go to that thing and it would, there'd be more there. There would be supply, supply, supply. Because God's system of provision is always sufficient. Amen? It is unusual. It is humbling. God wants to humble Elijah for the mission it has. You know, we all like to see the fire of God fall. But sometimes there's going to be a, a place by the brook. There's going to be a place where we're, we're in a situation where we feel defeated. But that's okay. We press on to the promises of God. And God will bring us, if we're faithful, to the fire of God falling. Amen? It is sufficient, sufficient for everyone involved, sufficient for Elijah, sufficient for the widow woman and her son, sufficient. What if she didn't provide or obey God's command? Well, the only thing that would happen is she would die. A lot of churches are like that today. It is consistent, consistent with the Word of God. God's provision for missionaries is the same. The lifeblood of church, the lifeblood of any church is missions. I truly believe that. I hope you see it from Scripture. I hope you see it from the Bible that it is absolute necessity. It is the most important thing. An outward focus to this world. Churches that have an inward focus will die just like the widow woman and her son. But a church that has an outward focus, that believes in a lost and dying world, that wants to send forth people into the mission field will grow. You know, someone has said this. Someone has said, it's not your seeking capacity that makes you a great church. It's your sending capacity that makes a great church. You know, you don't, you, sometimes you have few people, but they're, they're way up on missions. They want to just see 
the missionary activity go on in this world. And God meets the need of a church when we are concerned about lost and dying worlds. When we're concerned about a world that's lost and dying. You know, you see people every day and there's a great need, especially in Ireland. You see people and you get used to people and you get used to their situation. But you don't realize when you see that hearse, when you see uh, that, that life just... When, when, when someone has passed away, you wonder... Is that person ever, did they ever get a chance? Did someone ever knock at their door? <coughs> it's important when we have this life in us that we would ask people, excuse me, <coughs> we would ask people, we would uh, confront people, compel people to come in because missions is so important. God meets the need of the church when we're concerned about a lost and dying world. Lost and dying world. Let me give you a challenge. Just a little challenge. When you see how God's system of missions works, when a missionary comes to town, give of your time. That may involve sacrifice. It really will. You know, uh, it's easy to see someone, uh, Brother Fagal is coming over there from, uh, from, a, from a Baghdad. I believe that's where he's at, isn't it? And he's coming over there. He's going to tell you, give you what an insight into what it's like. You need to be there to hear it. He's, you know, God doesn't bring him this way too often. Give of yourselves. That involves the altar of sacrifice. It really does. Give of yourselves. You know, it will involve sacrifice. What do we learn about uh, the, uh, the missionary there earlier on? It involves sacrifice. Learn what it's like. Learn what it's like. Get a hold of his burden. Just like, just like the, the missionaries that we read about. Get a hold of his burden. Uh, the blessing will be yours. The blessing will be yours. Because you know what, God? God is involved in missions. Missionary activity is where God is at. There's no greater place to be than someone preaching about missions. Not because of the preacher, but because of the Spirit of God that makes it real. God meets the needs. God works. God, God's work is continued. And God gets the glory. Amen? God gets the glory. Uh, God works through the different situation and he sees. You know, uh, to be really honest about Cargoline, there's been times where I feel like, uh, feel like where, where the rug is pulled, on, pulled out from under your feet and you feel defeated, but you know that people are praying for you and you know that God is, is faithful. Even when you feel like Elijah and you, 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 you kind of feel like um, cr crawling into a cave and, <laughs> and all that kind of stuff. God is still faithful. And God will always be faithful because missionaries is where God is at. Let's stand if we could.